You are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, my guest is Jennifer Chapman. She is a leadership coach and she's working with STEM managers and leaders who want to increase productivity and performance. Hi, Jennifer. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So Jennifer, you're working with leaders on strengthening their people skills. Why do you think that leaders need to strengthen people skills? And do you think that this is the key thing that they need to work on? I would say in general, yes. And as you mentioned, I work a lot with leaders in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, or finance. And I find a lot of leaders to be very task-focused. They get promoted because they're good at getting things done. And that's a great area of expertise. But then if you are not also worrying about the people side, then you're really missing out on opportunities to develop a really high performing team. And for example, you might have a very talented team, but if you are not paying attention to keeping them happy and having open communication and making sure that conflicts are handled and addressed, you might find you have a higher rate of attrition than a lot of other leaders do. And it costs a lot of time and a lot of money to hire somebody new and replace somebody that was virtually irreplaceable before. So right now with the pandemic, as counterintuitive it might seem, there are a lot of people changing jobs right now, even though the market's not fantastic, because they've had time to think about their career and what they are liking and not liking. And I'm finding the leaders who've invested less in the people side of what they do are experiencing the highest numbers of people looking for new jobs. Yeah, I think that now in this pandemic situation, it is really hard job for leaders to build relationships, to be closer with their teams. When we have distant working and basically what we do is just setting goals and planning our work. So do you have any recommendations on what we can do to work on these issues in the virtual environment? Yes, actually, I just wrote an article on that that I published on LinkedIn called 53 Ways to Connect with Your Team Virtually. It has tons of really great ideas. A lot of them are just simple things you can do in the meetings that you're already having. For example, if you're doing a team meeting, I'd say you wouldn't want to do this with more than about seven people. You can start the meeting with a quick check-in and you could ask people what's one word that describes how you're feeling right now and it's just really short and people can say how they're feeling and then it gives you a nice temperature of the room so to speak and some awareness around if somebody says tired or stressed their presence might be different at that meeting than normal but now you know they're aware that that emotion is there or another thing that we do at work often and also as a family is we do highs and lows. So we'll start out a meeting with a share one great thing that's happened in the last week and one not so great thing that's happened. And I love doing that even at home because it's a quick way to just catch up on what's going on in people's lives and 
People can share what's going on at work. They can share things from home. And it just opens up that there are real people here, not just robots who are there to be a part of this meeting. So there's just two quick ideas that can be a way to just feel more, a little bit more connected again. Those are great ideas. And I really love those, all those simple tricks that make us connect better via Zoom or other communication channels. I recently was at a meeting where we had to start with a sentence, if you knew me, then you would know that. Mm -hmm. Mm. And then everyone started to share such things that no one would suspect. And I think that it made us so much closer and the meeting was much more effective, of course. So such breaking the ice in the beginning is great also in the virtual environment. Absolutely. Another simple thing, I found that a lot of the leaders I work with, including my husband, who's a mechanical engineer, we've gone a year basically without being around people and not having that water cooler talk and not having casual conversation. And my husband's so funny, about a month ago, he said, I think I am where you were two weeks into the pandemic <laughs> because I'm an extrovert. And almost immediately, I really had a hard time because I really like being around people. So it took my husband a year to catch up and he said, I'm starting to miss people, but he didn't know how to reach out without it feeling awkward. So I challenged him that the next time somebody asked him a question or he needed to communicate with a coworker, instead of using IM or email, to pick up the phone. And like, well, yeah, we don't usually do that. And I said, I know, just try it. So this coworker had asked him a work-related question and my husband picked up the phone and called him back. And he said, you know, first they talked the business stuff, but then it easily evolved into, uh, so how are things going? And he found out his colleague and his wife had recently had a baby and he didn't even know they were pregnant because it's been over a year. And, and he enjoyed it so much that after he hung up, he ran over to my office and said, that was really cool. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> so again, so simple. It doesn't have to be awkward or like this big thing, but try picking up the phone more often and calling your colleagues instead of just relying on IM and email and text. Yes, absolutely. We need to reach out more to ask people simple, how are you? And I think that we really need this human touch right now, even more than we did before. So as leaders also, we need to not only build relationships and uh, you know be the nice guy, but also we need to build credibility to gain respect from our teams. So how do you combine, what do you usually suggest your clients and how, do, how can we combine being this nice person that is building relationships and caring about the team, but at the same time, gaining respect from the team? It's a great question. I worked with somebody right before the pandemic last year. And she was a new leader recently promoted from a group of peers. So there was some awkwardness. There were two people also on the team who'd applied for the same job. One of them was disappointed, but very supportive of my client being in this leader role. The other person was very bitter that he hadn't been selected for that position. 
And he just took every opportunity he could to undermine my client's confidence. He would be, act very inappropriately at team meetings. He would disregard instruction that she'd given and do tasks that he wanted to do rather than what he'd been assigned to do, very casual in meeting deadlines. And she was so frustrated and felt incredibly disrespected. And that's when she sought me out for some coaching. And what was really interesting is as we talked a little bit more about what was causing this lack of respect, I realized that the issue was not with the guy who didn't get the job. It was actually the internal voice of this leader who had just gotten promoted. And she was having some feelings of imposter syndrome and doubting, was I the right person for this job? And it was her lack of confidence that paved the way for this other guy to disrespect her. So instead of working on just how to manage his behavior, which would have been like putting a Band-Aid on the situation, we went deep into her to figure out what was causing the lack of confidence. And then we did exercises. For example, I had her make a list of her past successes, either personally or in the workplace, write down the things that she was really proud of. And as she went through that exercise, it was easier than for her to look down at that list and say, wow, look what I did. If this were somebody else and I was reading about another person, I'd be super impressed. And it was things like that that helped her then draw on her the past confidence and the past successes and her presence changed, the way she carried herself, the way she spoke. And it was actually a really fast change that once she got clear on who she was and what she had to offer, it was about two or three weeks of then this colleague, former colleague, former peer, of getting in line and realizing, all right, she's taken the reins, she's the leader, and she didn't put up with his crap. <laughs> and if he missed the deadline, she called him out on it. And, and it was a lot easier for her to do that once she really stepped into this role that she had and had every confidence that she was going to do great. And I'm happy to say like, it just completely turned things around for her and solved her people challenge very quickly. I really love this story. So it is not about others. We don't need to convince others, but we actually need to work on ourselves and on our own self-worth, confidence, assertiveness. And uh, this is a great way because I remember when I did a similar exercise several years ago on uh, my successes, it built up my confidence so much because when I was writing down the things, a lot of things, I was thinking, wow, I, did I do all this? <laughs> this is amazing how many things I achieved. And I was writing everything, big and small things. And in the end, I think that I realized that I am worth much more than I thought because I, we are usually thinking about our failures, about uh, maybe our last success, but we forget about all the years of experience and all the successes that we had. Absolutely. I really love this method. Thank you. And then the other thing I would recommend is that sometimes we are not using the right technique to get buy-in from other people. So I am a very intuitive person. I can be very passionate about my ideas, but if I lead my idea with that passion, other people are not going to necessarily resonate with that. Well, Jen's really excited about it, but so what? 
And I found that finding data to ground our ideas is so much more effective generally in getting people to see our perspective and, and even get on board. I had an experience several years ago, I was at a large consulting firm and part of a hiring team, and we had just done a big hiring event. And as we were discussing which people we wanted to extend offers to, there was this one guy who came up and everybody really liked him. And he had the right background, he knew the right things to say, interviewed very well. There was something nagging at me. And so the person facilitating the discussion said, okay, everybody want to extend, agree on extending this offer. And I said, oh, hold on. I just, I don't feel good about it. <laughs> this lady next to me was like, what do you mean you don't feel good about it? And she, uh, I had to stop and think, because I mean, that wasn't any kind of an answer, right? <laughs> so I had to just pause and ask myself, what is it that's bothering me? Because clearly there's something that is. So I went back to the resume. I said, just give me a moment. And so I bought myself some time. And then I looked down at this resume and scanned through to see what was it that bugged me. And I realized that he had maybe five or six last positions on the resume. But then when you look closer in really tiny font, he had the length that he was at each job. And this guy had changed jobs every six to eight months for the last five years. And then that makes you wonder, well, does he just get bored and move on? Or is it not a good fit? And they drive him out, whichever it is, it's not what we wanted for our company. And once I was able to point out data, then everyone else was nodding and saying, oh yeah, we missed, that. ended up extending the job to somebody else instead. So just make sure that when you express an opinion or an idea that you can back it up and that will add to your credibility and people are going to be much more likely to respect what you have to say. Yes, absolutely. To be credible, we need to use facts, not just opinions. Then uh, yes. we will be credible leaders for sure. So Jennifer, you were speaking about a very interesting concept of managing your boss. I really loved it. So can you explain more about this, about this concept? Yes. So if you look at various studies done by Harvard Business Review and others, the number one reason why people change jobs is because of their boss. And granted, there are some bosses out there that really should not be leading and there are times when there's a toxic workplace or you've done everything you can and it's time to leave. However, I think there are many more times when you could have the relationship you want with your boss. It's just that you've got to flip it around and instead of acting like what's well, my boss's job to treat me the way I want to be treated, for you to flip it around and, and see what kind of relationship do I want and then go out and get it. The one common issue I have found with bosses is it's really hard to get on their calendars sometimes or maybe you have a standing meeting but more often than not it gets canceled and it's easy to feel like my boss just doesn't care and i'm not a priority and you get really frustrated and start shutting down and i have found that really when you think about it your boss is responsible the level of responsibility and the scope of what they're working on is 
much greater than level below. And because they're, you know, their time and especially meetings. And one thing that's happened during the pandemic is actually people are having more meetings and the meetings are longer, which I find fascinating. So one trick you can use is to become a master of the 15 minute meeting. And it absolutely is possible that you just think about how can you succinctly catch your boss up on what you're doing, what you're leading, and then the other 10 minutes down into what are targeted questions, what are things that you need from your boss that you can't get anywhere else. So is it questions, is it approvals, whatever that might be, and be able to just make those questions very targeted and succinct, get what you need from that 10 minutes, and you're good to go. And I've found when I've done this, that my bosses have been much less likely to cancel the meeting because they know I am going to make very good use of that 15 minutes. Um, something else that's a huge game changer is we think in terms of what's in it for us. We frame, for example, some people ask for a raise and say, oh, the pandemic has just been really challenging and we just you know, had a baby or we've had medical expenses or whatever that might be. Well, is it really your boss's job to make sure you're financially cared for? <laughs> no. And so when you're advocating for yourself, it's not going to resonate with your boss. But if you can flip it to what's in it for them, what's in it for my boss to give me a raise. Then that's when you look at, here are the contributions that I have made in the last year, and here are the responsibilities and tasks I can see myself taking on this next year that's gonna make my boss's life much easier. Now I've positioned my request for a raise into a, this is gonna be beneficial to the company and to my boss's workload. Now you've got their attention. So just keep in mind what's in it for them, what's in it for them, and you anything you want to ask for, resources, whatever it might be, how is it going to benefit your boss? Yes, always think about what's in it for them, not what's in it for you. This is a great concept, works all the time in, in building relationships, in, uh, in communication, interpersonal communication. I, I really love it. So Jennifer, what is the most important, do you think, is it building relationships, supporting your staff for a leader, or you need to prioritize getting things done and your KPIs? I say the people and the relationships, and that comes from a very task-focused individual, but here's why. I found when I was a leader in a large Fortune 500 company, and I found that when I invested my time into making sure that my team had tasks that aligned with their skills and preferably aligned with what they liked to do, and when they knew I had their back, and when they knew that that I could be flexible, maybe they need to leave early and they're a hard worker, you know, why not? And I built this loyalty to them where when those times came where we had to work well into the night or even all night, they were willing to do it because they knew I had their back, they had mine. And I can't tell you how many times that investment of having a team that was loyal to me and who knew I would take care of them, that saved us in so many emergency situations at work. I really helped them have boundaries and learn to know that I wouldn't expect them to work 
late or on weekends. And sometimes I did. And so they thought implicitly, maybe I expected that of them. So I had to look at my own example. But really, truly, as I helped them manage their work-life balance, when those times came where I needed them to do more and to step up into extra high gear, they were absolutely willing to do so because they knew I wouldn't ask that of them unless it was absolutely necessary. I really love it. I really love it because now we have a lot of leaders who are focusing on getting tasks done on the KPIs. And I mean, this is the most important thing. We need to work. We need to work faster to achieve our goals. But we forget that people help us to achieve our goals and we need to have them on board and we need to have the loyal team, as you say, who supports us in anything we do and in any goals. So this is really, really important. So I have a last question to you, Jennifer. You mentioned that you support your clients in becoming more confident, in in building confidence, building assertiveness. So we have leaders and managers listening to us. So what would you recommend to a team leader who wants to increase their confidence, increase their assertiveness in business? So this exercise that you mentioned about writing down all your successes is amazing. What else can we do to build up our own self-esteem? So another thing that I've found is a lot of times when we're lacking confidence, it's because we don't have a clear picture of what our tasks and duties really are. Sometimes we end up in these positions that just feel ambiguous. And so how can you feel confident if you're not even sure what you're supposed to be doing? And one way this, and this comes back to managing your boss, one suggestion I have for clients who feel that way is for them to make a list or or a chart of these are what I believe to be my responsibilities and, and maybe even put them in priority order. And then in the next column, write down what does success look like? So if my task is, for example, generating some kind of a report and doing an analysis of it once a month, then what success looks like is that I will have looked at the data from X, Y, and C. I would have created a blank five-page report, and it would be delivered to A, B, and C by such and such date. And if I've done that, then that's success. So you would do that for every task or duty responsibility that you have. And now you've got your list of what you do and what success looks like. Take that to your supervisor and say, hey, this is what I've come up with. I'd love to get your feedback. And I had one client do this recently who felt like she was in a really nebulous situation as a leader and she didn't get much direction from her supervisor. And I think the supervisor was fairly new to that role. So she was probably figuring out her stuff as well. She was so excited when my client brought that list to her at the table and they went through it together and she had some tweaks. I think she added a couple of tasks and they really looked at those success measures. You want to quantify it as much as you can with percentages and data and so that it's easy to say, yes, indeed, this was accomplished. And the confidence change in this, my client was 
really amazing to watch because once she knew that she and her supervisor were on the same page as to what needed to be done and how it needed to be done and what it looked like when it was completed, then she's like, great, I've got this and now I can take my team and we can do it knowing we're on the right track and knowing everyone's in agreement of what we should all observe that to know that everything was done right and well. Yes, great, great. This is also a great method. And thank you very much, Jennifer, for all your tips that you brought into our episode today. I really loved our conversation. And for our listeners who want to contact you, where can they contact you and how, where are you in the virtual world? I would love for you to come find me at my website, which is ambitionleadership.com. The article I mentioned at the beginning of 53 ways to engage your workforce virtually is in the library section. I have a lot of different articles, several on managing your boss that you might find interesting. And then there are ways to contact me directly if you want to send me an email or set up a time to talk. So that's ambitionleadership.com. And, and I'd love for you to reach out to me there. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. We will put the link to your website under our episode so that our listeners can immediately contact you after, after listening to our conversation. Thank you so much for being on Ideas and Leaders. Oh, it was really fun talking to you. And I hope something that we talked about is helpful to your audience. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag Ideas and Leaders. See you in the next episode.